Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us here at Believer's Victory Church. Today we have an inspiring, powerful message that will change your life. Let's listen in as Pastor Peggy Heal teaches us from the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't God so good? He's so good all the time. It's great to be in church this morning. And uh, how many are loving the slightly cooler weather, right? It's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, it's just great. It's been so hot. But uh, thank, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a little bit of cool weather. Um, as you know, we had our fall festival um on October 31st, and um, it was by far the hottest fall festival we have ever had. I don't. I kept uh, saying, "Do you guys remember the fall festival where we actually had to wear jackets? It was so beautiful and wonderful. It was cool. We had to wear jackets, and uh, this year it was so hot. So this cool, cooler weather is a real blessing. But we're in a series today, and we're uh, talking about this is us. Has anybody ever asked you? They said, "Hey, what kind of church do you go to?" What kind of church do you go to? Or tell me about your church. And you're kind of like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, uh, it's a great church. You know, we don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't really know what to say. And so we decided to do a series called "This Is Us" Number, for two reasons. Number one, to let you know what kind of church you go to, amen, and to remind you because sometimes we can be part of something for a long time and that we just take the the greatness of it for granted. And a lot of times we do that with family, people that we see all the time. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you're awesome, but I see you all the time, right? And so just to remind us that being part of the church, the church of Jesus Christ, not just here at Believer's Victory, but, you know, churches all over the world, being part of the church, the Bible says is a privilege. It's a privilege to be part of the church. And, and we wanted to remind ourselves of the power of church. We want to remind ourselves of how important church is. And just, just, just sharpen us up a little bit about church. Amen? Because I don't know if you've ever met anybody, but, um, you know, actually, I'll tell you something. We, uh, I saw this last night late, and I'm not a big social media person. I'm not like, like sometimes I go on, I have a Mozzie Monday, because that's my dog's name, Mozzie, and so, and he's super cute, and everyone loves his picture, right? Come on now. And so I have a Mozzie Monday picture I put out, and, and, uh, and he's just adorable. And so he has his own fans. And so if I don't put his picture out, and this char- he's a Sharpay. Those of you who don't know what a great dog is, he's a Sharpay, right? That's right. Unbelievable! Angie! <laughs> But uh, anyway, he's a Sharpay. He's one of those wrinkle dogs. And so uh, I'm in a group for people who love Sharpays. And if I don't post his picture, I start getting messages. Hey, where's Mozzie? What's up with Mozzie? Because he has more fans than than anybody else I know, right? And so, but anyway, I say, say all that because I'm a rambler sometimes. But so I post the Mozzie Monday picture. But other than that, I'm not like a super big social media person. But I happened to see something that somebody wrote in response to the church. Not necessarily our church, just the church. And they said, what has the church done lately? Now this is a, I don't know this person, 
You know, that's how social media is. People that are clear across the world can suddenly have voice in your life. And they said, what has the church done lately? And then they said, the age of the church is over. And you know, there's that part of you that's like, oh, <clears throat> it's coming. You wait, right? You know, I want to respond. But, uh, you know, I don't want to fight battles on social media because I, I don't really, I feel like it's pointless. But what I wanted to say was this. I can't speak for every church, but I'll tell you what my church has done lately. Oh. Amen. My church is housing, feeding, taking care of as if they were our own 10 orphans in Guatemala every single day. That's what my church does. Amen. My church just welcomed a new infant into the house, even though we can't really afford it in the natural. But we did it because that infant needed a home. Amen. That's what my church did. My church has supported missionaries, and we set a goal at the be a few months ago that we would be part of freeing seven families from slavery in Pakistan, that we would do it before the end of the year. Guess what? It's already done. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. It's done. My church paid to plant a school for children that don't have one in Pakistan. We paid for it, and we paid the teacher's salary every single month. That's what my church does. Amen? My church has paid rent, paid groceries, paid all kinds of things for countless people month after month after month. My church gave 650 hot dogs, 500 sodas, and 500 bags of chips and paid uh, money to have a big fall festival because we wanted to take back October 31st and give God the glory for it. That's what my church did. Amen. So I was like, listen, dude, I can't speak for every church, but don't tell me the church isn't busy. Don't tell me the church isn't doing stuff. The age of the church will never end because the church is the thing, the one thing in the world that God said will last forever. Amen? That's church. And that's the church you go to. And the list is so long. You know, every year, last year, we put 50 pairs of shoes, name brand, Nikes, Adidas, whatever was popular. We put 50 pairs of shoes on 50 kids that didn't have shoes right over here at, at South, uh, North Grade Elementary. We bought Christmas for 50 foster kids because, no, because they don't have anybody to buy them Christmas presents. We did that. We provided Thanksgiving meals for 50 families. That's what we did. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what we did. And so I didn't say all that to that guy. But on the inside, I was saying it. If I could have typed it, I probably would have. And I started to, and I just felt like the Lord was like, no. You know. But the thing is, is that don't let anybody tell you the age of the church is over. The Church of Jesus Christ does more for the world than any other organization there is, including all governments. I told you guys this last week, you know how I love numbers, that the church, some people will try to tell you, oh, the age, this guy, the age of the church, you know, 
The thing is, is that every single Sunday, today, what's today, November 10th, on November 10th, 2019, just in the United States alone, more people will attend church in the United States today than will attend every other professional sporting event for the entire year. That's every football game, every basketball game, every baseball game, every hockey game, every tennis, every single one, the entire year, January to December, all of those events... One Sunday in, every, in church is more people than that. Don't, tell any, don't let anybody tell you the age of the church is over. The age of the church is just beginning. Amen. Amen? The world needs the church more than ever. I love what one leader said. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. Listen, as government could heal the world, they would have already done it. If money could heal the world, it would have already done it. If innovation could heal the world, it would have already done it. But you know what is healing people, what is changing people, what is inspiring people, what is helping people for the long term? Jesus Christ through the local church. Amen. Amen? And so the local church is powerful. And we need to remember that. It's a privilege to be part of a church. Amen. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. It's a privilege. Amen? And so when we, I'm passionate about the local church, not just because I'm the pastor. People are like, oh, it's because you're the pastor. No, I'm passionate. I became the pastor because I'm passionate about the local church. The local church, I remember walking into the, to this local church, Believer's Victory, broken, and hurting, and backslidden, and just so much pain and anguish in my life. And it was this house that helped me. It was this house to the point that I'm here, and I'm the pastor. And I tell you, I don't think there's a more beautiful, beautiful story of redemption involving the local church. Now, does the local church have some issues? Look at your neighbor and say, "Mm mm-hmm. (laughs) maybe they are the issue but we need church we need it God designed it God designed church and so we're talking about church we're talking about how important it is we're talking about what kind of church we are and last week we started this and and we were titling this message this is us this is us you want to know who we are this is us and one of the things that we've got it on our, on our website, it's called our DNA, what kind of church we are, amen? And we read them all last week. You can go online and read them, but a couple of them uh, are, we are better together. We're better together. Another thing, you belong. You belong here. The enemy will try to tell you, and I can't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody and they said, oh, if I go to church, the walls will cave in. You know, how many, how many have ever heard somebody say that? If I go to church, the walls will cave in. I always tell them, listen, Scott came, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened if he could come, you know. No, I'm kidding. He's not here so I can talk about him. But, you know, the thing is, I mean, look around. If that person came and nothing happened, you're okay, Right. Because you know what? That's where mercy is in the church. It doesn't matter where you've been. It's supposed to be in the church, I'll say that. Mercy is here. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what stage of the journey you are on. You belong in the local church. Amen? Amen? You belong here. And so we're going to talk, I talked last week actually about 
the importance of the church. And just to give you a quick reminder, and these are things a church will do. A church family, we learned that. The church is not the building. A church may have a building, but it's not the building. We are the church. Amen? The people within the building are the church. It doesn't matter if the church is in a movie theater, if it's in a school, if it's in a a church with a steeple, a traditional kind of church. It doesn't matter. What matters is the people that are inside it is what matters. And so a church isn't a building. It's not a place. We're the church. Amen? It's where we gather. It's wherever. So don't say, oh, I'm going to stay home in my bedroom. That's the church. No, that's not the church. The church is where, unless you're inviting a bunch of people over, there. That's not the church. The church is where believers gather together. And we come under one, we come under leadership, we come under a vision, we come under a purpose, and we gather together and we become a family. We become a family. That's what church is. And so church isn't a, a there's no such thing as one, a one-person church. Amen. You know, there's no such thing. That's not, that's not how that works, right? That's not how any of this works. That's not how it works. The church is where believers gather. It could be a smaller group or a larger group, but it is always a group according to the word. And here's what a church does. A church family is going to help me to focus on God. It's going to help me focus. That's one of the benefits of being part of a church. A church family is going to help me face life's problems. Because I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot easier, it's a whole lot better to face life's problems when you've got people praying for you, standing with you, holding you while you cry, lifting you up when you need it, kicking you in the pants when you need it. You need that. Amen. You need that. And you're going to find that in the church. A church family is going to help me. It's going to help me fortify my faith. Man, church helps me strengthen my faith. It makes me stronger. Because you know what? I don't know about you, but when I, when I heard that statistic about there's more people in church today than in all those sporting events, I don't know about you, but it made me stand up a little taller like, yeah, I'm part of that. I'm one of them. I'm, one, I'm part of the church. You know, people are acting like we need to be embarrassed about the church. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is never embarrassed of the church. Even in the seven churches in Revelations where they had all the issues that they had, the Bible said that Jesus stood in the middle of it. He's here with us. In in, in our shortcomings, in the things we do best, in the things we do worst, Jesus is right here. Amen? Because that's what he said he would do. And so you want to be where help is? You want to be where your faith is fortified? You want to be where strength comes? Get into a church. And the more you become a part of it, the stronger you become. Because it's not just your strength, it's the strength of the body. Amen? All right, now I need a few. Uh, I want this whole row to just come stand up. This is what happens when you sit in the front row. I saw that eye roll, Angie. I'm going to let you come anyway, even though you coughed at my Sharpay. Now, just so everybody knows, Angie has a Sharpay. Yeah. But it's more angels. <laughs> All right, now I want you guys to link arms together, link arms together. All right. <laughs> Derek's like, I'm never sitting in the front row again. All right, Pastor Steve, come up here, come up here. Now these guys are linked together. You've seen this illustration before, you've linked it. Now, Angie, you unhook, unhook. Now, this is, this is the world and problems and issues. And Pastor Steve's... <laughs> Now, just the world's problems.
isn't Pastor Steve, but just for illustrative purposes, if he tries to pull Angie away, try to pull her away. Yeah, yeah, he can pull you. It's not that hard, right? But what happens when you're, when you're hooked in here? Get in the middle of these two strong guys. Get in the middle of there. Now try to do it. Well, try a little harder. See, it's harder. It's harder. Why? Because she's, she's part of something. She's part of something. When you're at home sitting on your couch and the enemy starts talking to you and it's just you and you've got nobody to encourage you, nobody to strengthen you, nobody, nobody praying for you, nobody covering you, because that's what church does. Church covers you. You're part of the pasture. And when you're part of the, you're a sheep. Everybody go, bah. Yeah. We're the sheep of God's pasture. And when we're there, there's a shepherd watching over us. But when you're all out by yourself, those wolves and the enemy and the problems of today, it's easy to pull you away. But when you're hooked together, it's a whole lot harder. Amen? Amen? Go ahead, sit down, guys. Give me a hand. It's a whole lot harder, and that's why it's so important you stay connected because church family helps you fortify your faith. We need church family. The other thing that church does, it helps me fulfill my life's mission. Amen. Amen. You know what? All the success in the world and all of that, you know, when you think about it, that's not going to last. It's not eternal. There's a part of us that strives to do something that we know is going to last forever. Amen. And you know what? What we do through the church is eternal. Amen. It's eternal. Another thing church family does is going to help you find your place in the world. Because when you find out who you are in Christ, you're a whole lot stronger to get your place in the world. Ooh. Amen? Amen. Because you know you're not alone anymore. You know you're not by yourself. We need people. We need each other. Church family strengthens us. Amen? And it's great to be part of a body, to know that you're not by yourself. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, out of the New Living Translation, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, it says, this is right, right in the front. <laughs> right in the front. Just being a little helpful. Over there in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18. Now, you got to remember this. This is when Adam, and, where Adam, he's walking with God himself. He's in the Garden of Eden. How many know you? It's, just, it's perfection. Some people are like, oh, all I need is God. Just me and God. That's enough. Actually, it's not. And God himself said it's not. Because here we have Adam and he's walking with God. He's talking with God. He can look eye to eye with God in this situation. But what does God say to him? He says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. We're not designed to be alone. We're not made that way. We're made by God. We're made, the Bible says we're made in the image and the likeness of God. And even God is not alone. He is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, right? And so God made us. He's like, listen, you're not made to live by yourself. You're not made to go through life's hurdles and struggles and even life's successes alone. Amen. You know what? When, there, when there's something great happening, isn't it better to celebrate with people who love you and celebrate with you? 
You know, you got something great going on in your life, and you're just like, I got nobody to call, or if I, the people I do have in my life are going to be jealous of what's going on in my life. You, you know what? But the right church family, man, we're going to celebrate with you. We're going to celebrate with you. And so the Bible says it's not good that man should be alone. We need God. We need people. God all by himself, if that was enough, then God wouldn't have said, it's not good for you to be alone. And so that Lone Ranger Christian mentality you got going on, and you think it's working for you, it's really not. Because it's not how you're made. You're made to be part of a body. You know, the Bible calls the, the church the body of Christ. It, it relates to our human bodies. Many times God would use something we could understand to explain something that was bigger and harder to explain. And so he uses our natural body as a, as a, a type of the church because we understand the body. We, you, we understand that if you cut off my hand, my hand can't live by itself. Will the body continue to live? Sure. But the hand alone can't live on its own. And that's why the Bible says you need to be part of the body. Whether you're the eye or the ear or the foot or the arm or the hand, whatever part you are, you have a part to play. And the body needs you. You can't make it on your own. You're not made that way. You're not designed that way. And so God said, it's not good that you, that, that it's not good for man to be alone. And then in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, this is, this is about the church. Verse number five, it says, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Each of us needs all the others. You know, I can always tell when somebody's starting to disconnect from the body, when they're starting to let the things of the world become more important than the things of God. You know, it, it's, I've been in this business a long time, and it's evident in their life. But here's the thing. You can't see it because you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. But you begin to see it in their kids. You begin to see it in their marriage. You begin to see it in their finances. You begin to see it in their stress. You begin to see it. And it's like, you know, what's the antidote? Reconnect. Reconnect. You know, it's about family. It's about being part of a family. You know, I'm so blessed in my, in my family. My father is very big on being together. And there, there's a lot of us. There's seven kids, and, and two have gone on to be with the Lord. But I tell you what, I'm so thankful that my father has instilled in us from a very young age the importance of being together. And now when my, my, uh, my brother and I, we both still live here, and the thing is, every week, every week without fail, unless somebody's out of town, we have lunch together. We have done it for over 25 years. And sometimes it's a pain. And sometimes you're busy and it's like, oh, I got family lunch. But then you got to remember, man, this is what strengthens us. This is what connects us. Sometimes you don't feel like you need it. But listen, here's how, this is when you learn you need it. After you quit doing it, when you feel and experience the effects. Families aren't as strong today as they used to be. 
You know why? Because strong families require intentionality. We are intentional about being together, looking at each other, seeing each other eye to eye, giving hugs, catching up, finding out what's going on in each other's lives every week. And we talk throughout the week too, but there's that point of contact. And you know what? It has strengthened us. It has kept us close in busy lives, busy times, lots of change, but we have remained close. And here's what happens. When you have that close family, oh, it gives you a sense of security. It gives you a sense of belonging. But you know, I don't just have that with my biological family. I have that with my church family too. And you might be here today and say, you know what, I don't have that kind of dad. I don't have brothers and sisters. I don't have anybody. You're wrong. Look in this room. Look in this room. And here's some good news for you. There's a whole nother group that comes at 11 o'clock. How about that? And here's some more good news for you. There's a whole nother group that comes at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Amen? You've got a lot of people. And so God, I believe God created the church family because here's the thing. Biological families, they change. They change. People, unfortunately, pass away. They Divorce happens. Things happen. And families change. But church family can remain it can remain. But you know why? It's eternal. It's eternal. And so when we think about the church family, God designed us to be together because he knew you're going to need somebody. You're going to need some people. And so today I want to talk to you about why having a church family is so important. Did you know that studies show, I so you, you know, I love these kind of things. Studies show that if you go to church, you're going, to live on, you're going to live an average of five to six years longer than other people if you're in church every week. There are so many studies about the importance of church and the effect church has on people. People that attend church on a regular basis have lower blood pressure, live longer, and have less anxiety. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so if you're sitting here today and you're like, that sounds good. Well, you're in the right place. Amen? And so let's look at some things. But before you do that, I want you to hear it not just from me, but we've got a video of a testimony of the power of the local church. This is Josh, and he's speaking on behalf of himself and Jessica, who they've gone on to, they're in Oklahoma now, they're in Ramah, but they have a message uh, Josh wanted to send this message to us. So hit the lights so we can watch it, and let's hear from Josh this morning. Believers, Victory Church, I love you. I miss you. I wanted to reach out to you on behalf of my wife and I and let you guys know we're thinking of you. We just started our semesters in September. We just took our finals uh, last week, so time's flying. We aced them, got nothing below an A, so all good news. But lately, my wife and I have been reflecting on just how grateful we are for our local church. Today, a lot of people seem to be hurt by the local church. Um, and if that's you, I just want to say I'm sorry. But I also want to encourage you to give it another try. Don't give up. Even when it gets a little hard, keep pushing. There will be disagreements. There will be things that may not feel so comfortable. But just like any family, there are imperfect people we're going to do imperfect things, but the good of the church 
outweighs the bad. You know, I can only speak for myself and my wife, but BBC has helped shape us so much just in the last six years alone. I was on the street, I was homeless, I was in and out of rehabs, in and out of jail, addicted to heroin, addicted to crack. Pastor Peggy and the rest of the BBC staff took me into their family while I was a kid in a halfway house still running amok. They welcomed me with loving arms, they taught me, they equipped me, and they raised me up to be the man that I am today. God used the local church and the local church alone to radically change my life and to renew my mind. Now, I'm married and attending Rhema Bible College. And since we've been out here, the local church, you guys, BBC, have done nothing but be supportive. We've had friends visit us. We've received awesome, heartfelt cards in the mail. We've received financial support. We've received prayer. We've received help from people who can't afford to send help but they do it anyway. And it always ends up being right when we need it. My wife and I have formed lifelong bonds that will never be broken just by attending BVC. And trust me, I've been a part of a lot of communities in my life and you will never find such a loving and supporting community like the local church that God has called you and your family to be a part of. And my wife and I constantly come across people who have been hurt from the church and they choose not to come. They choose not to get that life change. They choose not to get that substance. They go around every day being alone and hurt and vulnerable, seeking to fill that hole in all the wrong communities and friendships. A good local church like Believer's Victory Church is the only place that you can find people who will truly forgive you, look past your faults, love you when you feel alone, when you're doubtful. They will encourage you. They will lift you up. And listen, there will be disagreements, there will be trials, but iron sharpens iron and sparks fly. And that's what the church is about. You will get through it. That's what love does, love covers, love keeps pushing forward. And Believer's Victory Church is the best example of love that I've experienced in my life. This is what the local church was created for by God, to love together, to grow together, to help those in need when they can't help themselves. It is established by God and for God's glory. You can't live without it. And we are so grateful that we found Believer's Victory Church. My wife can't stop talking about how grateful she is lately. And every time we come to God, we just thank God for all of you. We are so grateful. We miss Pastor Peggy. We miss Pastor Scott, all the staff. But we just miss the body. We miss the community. We have one here, but it's not the same as where God has called us to be. We love you, we miss you, and we can't wait to see you guys. Praise the Lord. That's life change. Amen? That's life change. And those of you who remember years ago when Josh first showed up, hello. <laughs> but you know what? We, he, he just kept coming. When he got in trouble, he still came. When he fell off the wagon, he still came. You know why? Because he knew he was loved. He knew he was cared for. He knew he would be guided to the best of our ability. And you know, it's not, we're not the only ones doing that. There's church houses all across the world who are doing exactly what we're doing. It's all about life change. And now Josh and Jessica, and we all remember when they first started dating, and we were like, oh, we don't know about this, you know? <laughs> Especially Pastor Steve. Jessica is his daughter. But you know what? God just made the way 
God showed every, you know, it, it's just a beautiful love story. And they got married, and now they're off training to be ministers. And I don't know about you, but I'm really believing God they come back home. We, I, I, I can see those guys leading worship and preaching right here at BBC. But that's the power of the local church. It's the power of the local church. And you see life change happens in the local church. Josh himself said he had tried to do it many times without church, but he wasn't able to. But when he finally plugged in and stayed in, his life began to change. Because here's why. We need other people to walk with us. We need other people. The Bible says in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, Just as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Amen? We're supposed to walk in Jesus. How are we going to do that? We walk in him, through him, with him, right here in the local church. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, it says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Amen? It says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. And it's talking about the local church. Church should be a habit. It's not an option. I don't get up and you say, well, that's because you're the pastor. No, I haven't always been the pastor. Hello. But there were many times that I would get up and be like, oh, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't, you know, that was last week, right? No, I'm kidding. You know, I don't feel like going. I don't, I don't want to go. But it's not, I never gave myself the option. That's why, you know, parents, it should not be an option. And I may step on your toe, but that's my job. My job is to help you, equip you, and train you, and sometimes correct you. It's not an option not to go to church. Church is what we do. It's what we do. It's not just a place we go to. It's a body that we belong to. You show up for family. That's good. You show That's up good. for family. You show up for Jesus. You follow what the word says. It says, hey, don't give up the habit. You need this habit. How many got some bad habits? I got some bad habits. But you know what? With those bad habits, we need to develop good habits. Amen? And church is a good habit habit. But we need somebody to walk through, walk through life with because here's why. Community and church is God's answer to loneliness. Amen. Here's an interesting fact. In Japan, loneliness is such an issue. It is a huge issue there resulting in suicides and, and depression and all these things. Suicide, uh, loneliness is such an issue in Japan that the government, the government has started a uh, loneliness, uh, what did they call it, a, uh, a, a, like, a, like a governmental body to combat loneliness, where they're paying people, listen to me, they're paying people that they're, they're, they're going and they're meeting those, they're sitting on park benches so that lonely people can come and sit and talk with these people that government is paying so they won't be lonely anymore. Here's another interesting fact. Japan has one of the lowest church rates. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. <laughs> because here's why. The church is God's answer to loneliness. The church is God's answer to loneliness. The government cannot fulfill a void on the inside of you. 
Government is not equipped to do that. It's not equipped. And so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 30 and 31, I'm going to read it to you out of the message. It says, when you gather, say when you gather. When you gather, each one of you be prepared with something useful for all. Sing a song, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. Take your turn with no one taking over. That way you all learn from each other. This is talking about what happens in, in a small group setting. Because here we have our big group setting. But I'll tell you what, just on Friday night, we had a small group, a connect group, and it's on marriage. And it's been so beautiful to hear everybody sharing and everybody talking and everybody giving insight into their relationship and things they've overcome and things they're dealing with. We can't do that in a large group, but that's part of church. It's part of church because if all you do is show up on a Sunday morning, you walk in, you sing the song, you listen, you say amen, and then boom, you're out. You're missing something. And you're going to be the very person that's going to say, meh, church, it really didn't do anything for me. Because you didn't, you, you got to do it right. You, there's a way it works. There's a way it works. And it does work. And so it's beautiful on Friday nights and then Tuesdays that our ladies want. It's so beautiful to see, hear people tell their story because exactly what the scripture says is happening. People are giving an insight. They're giving an encouragement. They're giving word. They're giving lesson. They're teaching and they're helping because we need each other. One of the things somebody said at our Friday night connect group for marriage, they said, it was great to hear that other married couples had issues. It was great to hear. You know why? Because the enemy will always tell you you're the only one. You're the only one. Other people are more Christian than you. Other people are more spiritual than you. They don't have those problems. And that's not true. We all have issues. And when we get together, we're able to strengthen each other. Just like Josh said, we're able to strengthen each other. We're able to encourage each other. We're able to help build each other up. But we need to get, be together to do that. Let me tell you something. That's not going to happen online. That's not going to happen online. It's not going to. One of the things that was shared in our connect group, it was so beautiful, is on, on a Sunday morning, one of the guys got up and shared a testimony about how God had, had, had ministered to him and helped him, and he overcame and forgave a, a, a situation with his dad that he never knew. And one of the people that was sitting in the congregation that Sunday morning who heard that testimony, it moved them and it inspired them and encouraged them to forgive their father. And now they have a relationship with their father that they never had before. What happened? The church works. That's how church works. Two lives changed. Two lives changed. Ephesians 4.16, it says, as each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow. That's what happened on that Sunday morning. Man gave his testimony Gave it through tears. God had spoken to him. It touched someone in the congregation. And it changed their life. And now it's changed his children's life. Because now they have a relationship with their grandfather they never had before. It changed. Why? 
As each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow. So Christ, whose whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You can't, you can't, you're not going to grow to your potential by yourself. You're going to grow to your potential when you got others helping you grow. It's like we all have heard these illustrations, but with trees. The trees, their roots go down deep and then their roots intermingle together. So when the wind blows and the storms happen, they're not just standing on their own with their own strength, but all the other trees, just like the illustration we had up here, they blend together and now we have everyone's strength. And guess what happens? We grow more. We need people to walk through life together. This community, the community of the local church, is the answer to loneliness. Sitting on a park bench with a paid governmental employee is not going to do for you what church is going to do for you. Not going to do it. Second reason why we, we, need, we need church, we need the support of one another, is I need others to work with me. Because you know what? Alone, we can't do as much as we can together. You know, about 14 years ago, the Lord had put it on a friend of mine's heart because there was such an orphan crisis in Guatemala. Babies were being left laying on the road. One of those babies is now 10 years old, and we have raised him. He was found on the side of the road covered in ants. But he's healthy, happy, 10 years old, in school. But at the time, and in the government, in the governmental institutions, the orphanages there, it just, it's a terrible situation. It's a terrible situation. And so a friend of mine had it on his heart. He said, you know, I believe that we can do something about this. We may not be able to house and help every orphan, but together we can do some. And so he called me and three other friends. All of us are friends. There's four of us. And we say, he said, I can't do it alone as a church because my church isn't big enough. But if the four of us get together and do it, we can do it. And you know what? That's exactly what we did. House of Destiny, our orphanage was born out of four churches, not trying to do it alone, but do it together. And we have raised children. We have taken care of them in a beautiful home as if they were our own. That was our, that was our goal. And we've done it, but we couldn't do it alone. We had to do it together. To get work done, to do what God's called you to do, we need to do it together. Amen? The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, it says, God made us to do good works. You're made to do good works. You're not made to just be self-serving. And when you are self-serving, you become, when all you do is worry about self, you become self-centered, self-conscious, self-everything. God didn't make you like that. He made you to give out. And when you do, all oh, life changes. We need others to work with us. Because here's the thing, community, this community, is God's answer to guess what? Fatigue. <coughs> Some people are always like, oh, I'm so tired. I can't, I can't serve the Lord. I'm just too tired. I can't do anything. I'm too tired. You'd be amazed how energized you become when you serve the Lord. 
The Bible says this, and it says, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Let's start, you know, we want to help the world, but we want to help each other. Because here's the thing, two people are better than one. How many figured that out? You know, the world will try to tell you, and I hate these kind of sayings, they say, talking about marriage, they're like, oh, the ball and chain. Listen, if you say that, stop. Stop. Because, number one, it's not true. And if it is true, you're not going to change it by, by speaking it. You're going to change it by saying something different. But if you think about marriage... The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put tens of thousands. There's not, there's not restriction in group. There's liberty in group. Amen? There is strength and there's power in numbers. We know that. And more so in the church because the Bible says two people are better than one <coughs> because they get more done by working together. We're going to get more done. You know what? We could have never done that orphanage on our own. Never. And as it's grown, and now we have, uh, I think, 11 kids now. We just got a new infant baby. We could have never supported it. You know, I don't know if you guys realize it, but raising 11 children is very expensive. That's expensive. Even in Guatemala, you think, oh, it's Guatemala. Listen, a gallon of milk is like three bucks there, too. It's, and rent's about the same. You wouldn't think so, but it is. And so we need each other to get some stuff done. And then and the other thing that church does and why we need church, it's not just something that's, oh, it's a good idea. No, we need it. We're designed to be part of it. And this is a good one. I need others to watch out for me. Church watches out for you. Amen. Now, it's hard to watch out for you when you're in and out. That's tough. That's hard to watch out for you. But when you're part of the body, it's easier. Because when, when you're part of the body, when you're, when you're part, of the crew, part of the crew, and you say, how do I do that? You just keep coming. You just keep coming. You, you show up for stuff. You hang around a little bit after service and talk with people. Let people know you. Let people know you. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Because we need somebody to watch out for us. The Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 4, it says, Look out for one another's interests, not just your own. And you know who he's talking to here? He's talking to church people. He said, Look out for each other. You notice somebody's not here? Give them a call, make sure they're okay. You find out somebody lost their job? Give them a Holy Ghost handshake. Amen. You find out somebody is sick or been in the hospital? See what you can do to help. See what you can do to help. There's nothing I love more than when something's going on and immediately people are like, can I make meals? Can I bring food? What do you need? Let me do it. That, that's church. That's church. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing because it's how the body works. It's how the body works. And so we got to watch out for each other. Hebrews 13.1, it says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. Keep being concerned as the Lord's followers should. You know, if you'll let it, the Bible will tell you how you're supposed to be. 
It'll tell you what church is supposed to look like. There's no perfect church. You know why there's no perfect church? Look at your neighbor. It's easy to figure it out. That's why. That's why. <laughs> because none of us are perfect. If it was per oh, perfect people only, this place would be empty. It'd be empty. But we got to watch out for each other. We got to keep being concerned about each other. I love Ecclesiastes 4.12 out of the New Living. It says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And listen to this, three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That's church. That's church. You say, well, that hasn't been my experience with church. No church is perfect. Every church has cracks. Every church totally blows it on occasion and drops the ball. Every church does that. I always say this, every church looks good from far away. Every church looks good from far away. I remember my pastor's church. I have a, everybody needs a pastor. I have a pastor too. And I remember my pastor's church, I would always look at it and say, oh, I bet you guys don't have any problems. I bet you don't have any weird people. I bet, you don't, I bet you don't have any of this. You don't have any of that. And then one time he invited me. He said, why don't you come and spend the week with me? Come and spend the week with me. I was like, oh, I'm going to learn so much. You know? And I went there, and you know what I realized? They have the same problems we do. You know, like just like every family has that certain uncle or that aunt that's like, oh, here they come, right? <laughs> you know you have that in your family. Oh, there they go. There they go. Somebody that runs their mouth or does something. Every, everybody has that. And as I spent the week with him, you know, he began to tell me about, yeah, there's this time and this time. And I was like, okay. And he, and he told me that. He said, Peggy, every church looks good from far away. Every family looks good when you're only looking in the windows. But the strength of family comes with persevering through difficult times. The strength of family comes when you, when you help and hold somebody and, and, and help them when they've fallen completely off the rails. When you stay together, you recognize, hey, we could have done that better. Let's do it better next time. Right? But every, every church does. But we got to keep being concerned about each other. we got to keep realizing that alone, I, I'd rather be with two imperfect people than alone. I'd rather, I'd rather be with two people that maybe don't have every answer and don't, don't do everything perfectly, but they're two people that got my back and will go to the fight with me. I'd rather be with those two imperfect people than stand alone. You know why? Because the Bible says I'm going to do better. Community, church community is God's answer to defeat. It says if one person falls, if one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fail are in real trouble. Are alone when they fall. They are in real trouble. You know why? Because you need somebody to help you up. And that's what church does. And that's why we need each other. Church is important. 
And we have this idea, and some people, I remember I was at Staples one day, and I walked in, and I was looking for a chair, and I had a really, really aggressive salesperson. Glory to God. <laughs> Mr. Talkative. And so he's following me all around, and I'm just like, you know, hey, I'm just looking. I'm looking for a new office chair. He's like, oh, you know, let me help you. Let me help you. And uh, long story short, he just began to talk to me. And, and somehow he, so eventually the question came up, what kind of job do you have? Do you sit often? You know, what do you do? And so I said, oh, I pastor a church. Oh, you do? You do? I said, yeah, I do. He said, oh, well, what do you think about so-and-so? And what do you think about so-and-so? And what do you think about that? And all oh, this church, all they want is money and this and this and you know, and I just kind of, I'm just like, I'm looking at him and I said to him, I go, do you even go to church? Do, do you even, do you even know, do you, have you ever been to church? It's easy to be negative about something you don't know anything about. And usually the people that are barking about, oh, all church wants is money, you've never been part of one. Or you were part of one and it had, it had some issues. But just because, you know, I have seven, I have six brothers and sisters. And a couple of them have issues. They probably say the same thing about me. But I, I'm not going to be like, you can't be part of the family. I'm going to leave the family because you have issues. No, I'm still part of the family. And so are there imperfect churches? Are there weird things going on in churches? Sure there are. But don't give up on the entire experience of church because one or two people are screwing it up. Because there's always going to be error. There's always going to be a Judas. There's always going to be somebody who's greedy for money. There's always going to be that. But that doesn't change that the Bible says that Jesus gave his life for the church. Amen? There's always going to be a weirdo. There's always going to be a crazy person. There's always going to be that. But you know what? It doesn't take away from the power, the strength, the purpose, and the design of the local church. Because if you give up on it, you're never going to be able to be part of a testimony like Josh's. You're never going to have one, and you're never going to be able to be part of one if you give up on it. Don't give up on what God designed for you, and that's the church. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for all of us here today.